1: Good morning, good evening, whatever time you're listening to. It is the Outside Podcast once again. It is the special summer engagement series during the Sixers offseason. It is the Outside Podcast. I am your host, Adil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always through these multiverses. Sorry about last week. I uh, had a little uh, family drama. All is well now. Everything's good. But uh, yeah, had to had to step away, take care of some family business. But uh, everything's cool, and I'm recharged, and we're back to getting into these multiverses and talking about uh, what could have happened with some of these scenarios. And as always, on this journey, uh, except for two weeks ago when I had Jazz on the podcast doing the Allen Iverson draft, which was fantastic. You should go back and listen to that. Dave Early is back from his own personal multiverse that he was on for the last week and uh yeah how you doing dave
2: i'm good i'm good i'm I'm happy to be back
1: so the multiverse that you were in like there was there was no technology what was going on
2: it was, uh, it was, there was technology. I was able to keep up, but I didn't have my podcasting equipment and I didn't have like really reliable Wi-Fi, So I didn't want to gamble on it.
1: More important things to do in that multiverse, like spend time with family and all that good stuff. With family the whole time. Yep. So yeah, I, I would not have asked you to do that, <laughs> but I, you know what? It's fine. We both got a nice little week off. We're back and, uh, it's, it's a lot of. Like I said, it's a lot of energy burning through these multiverses. It really is. Like all, all the energy, all the feelings, all the everything. It, it just it gets exhausting, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> that being said, this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Because we're spanning multiple, multiple different topics, multiple different multiverses in one podcast. So by the time this podcast is done, we are going to be so drained. We'll still be back next week, but d- damn it, we're we're making up for lost time. This is our way of apologizing for not having a podcast last week.
2: Yeah, some of our multiverse trips are pretty down. Like, we revisited the Fultz draft, uh, the Okafor pick. So, we have a little bit of a theme of gloom and doom in this multiverse. Like, maybe right. we should try to mix in some joy next time.
1: Uh, I'll I'll see what I can do. I mean, <laughs> it's... it's the, these multiverses. Listen, Sixers fandom inherently comes with a lot of sadness, and that's and unfortunate. I, but it's kind of the truth, and it sucks.
2: I and know. these are the ones that I signed up for first, by the way. So I'm not knocking it. I'm I'm all right with you.
1: Right, Dave. Dave is a willing participant in all of this, so like he has no excuse. No, excuse. and those of you that download and listen, first of all, thank you for that. But then also. Y'all have no excuse either, because y'all are willing to go on these wild, sad rides with us as we you're
2: you're pausing your your Kevin Durant Nets mayhem to uh, to go back in time with us on some Sixers Nightmares.
1: And I appreciate we appreciate that here in Liberty Ballers. Um, So we're going to start with it's like I said, it's a bunch of different multiverses and there are 10 things that we want to hit. And we'll start with October third, two thousand twenty, and that is when the collaborative effort—we'll call it—was it still a collaborative effort at that point. No, by that point, Maury was general manager.
2: So but- we have a we have a basically a top ten rank of the worst decisions or the most fateful decisions, sandwiched in between the Sam Hinkie administration. And- and in the Daryl Morey administration. So most of when the mayhem occurred was in this period when, I mean, Sam Hinkie, I think he accumulated like 25 picks or swaps, obviously left them with Joel Embiid, B, Robert Covington, Jeremy Grant, Christian Wood, TJ McConnell, and just so many picks, so many high lottery picks from other teams as well as their own, that they were in a great place. And now you look and they've got like the eighth best odds to win the championship. And it's hard not to think about what might have been. So we're looking back at some of the, the top 10, basically, most painful decisions that we're looking at. This one that you brought up, October 3rd, 2020, that was still Elton Brand's led collaborative front office. But at the reports at the time were that like, it was really a group effort. It was Josh Harris, David Blitzer. At one point, Scott O'Neill was heavily involved maybe the number three voice in, in the whole, you know, organization as well as Elton at times, Brett Brown, Scott O'Neill and and Alex Rucker, Ned Cohen. So definitely a a voice, a a many voice group. And this
1: date was the hiring of doc rivers as head coach.
2: Yeah. So that predates Daryl Morey. Uh, They were supposedly like on the one yard line with Mike D'Antoni, having preferred him over to Ron obviously I think they would have been better off with either of those two names. Clippers fans are giddy. They, they, with Teron Liu, they finally made it out of the second round, which they hadn't been able to do after all those years under doc. And he was playing small ball and playing the young guys and doing all the things that it was driving Clippers fans crazy that doc wasn't doing. Sixers go out and hire doc to a five-year deal. I believe, um, and I don't think that that was a good decision. And I think it's still haunting them.
1: I've made no secret on this podcast, the Liberty Ballers Network as a whole, just general musings on Twitter. I've made no secret that my pick was Dan Tony was my pick. I don't shy away from that. I admit it. I wholly accept it. And all of the smoke that comes with having that preference. Um. We-
2: yeah, I would have been happy with either of those, uh, him, Lou, or D'Antoni. Uh, I think they did not pay much attention to everything that went down in the with the Clippers over the last few years. Certainly not in the bubble to to go out and suddenly prefer him. I mean, Paul George was complaining like they used me like I was JJ Redick, and right. so that's been a quiet as kept sort of knock on Doc as he's not getting a lot out of his number two guy,
1: you know. And I, I. I harp on this. We've harped on Doc Rivers a lot on the on the site and in podcasts, so I don't want to belabor the point too hard because let's face it. there's it's a lot has been written. a lot has been said. But for me, it just boils down to the sixers whoever made those decisions, however many cooks were in that kitchen at the time, like, they saw which way basketball was trending as far as like what is winning what is not winning what styles are working and they basically just said you know what we're just going to go against where the NBA is headed that's fine we're just going to do that and I was just like okay really fantastic that's that's going to be awesome for us
2: yeah yeah they did that when they wanted to go big with Al Horford and Joel Embiid and they did it again with Doc who You know, he's got some uh, some antiquated philosophies that I think he's been surprisingly stubborn with. I think he surprised me a little bit, having not learned from the Montrez Harrell incident with the Clippers and then duplicating a lot of that with Dwight Howard. Seriously. And then eventually, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan and just having these glaring weaknesses where if Daryl Morey gives him a roster spot or two to pick his guy and recruit his guy, then that gets etched in stone to the final playoff rotation at the detriment of this team, the detriment of important games like when Giannis comes to vie for the one seed against the Sixers, and we see Paul Millsap trot out there and get torched on oh third. Anyway, let's move on to the next one, number nine. So, number
1: nine, April 4th, 2019. I You wrote this down, and I was just like, okay, that's an interesting one. And I I I want to hear I want to hear your reasons for putting this on this list but the signing of Greg Monroe to a contract for the rest of the season in the 2018-2019 season I didn't think listen I didn't think it was a terrible idea but I I get it I guess uh I I'm just like okay that's interesting this is one I got to hear talked about like let's let's uh let's go right back to 2019 then since we're spanning multiple universes in this podcast.
2: Yeah, this is still the Elton-led collaborative, and I put it on here because you all I just thought it was funny. (laughs) We all know that Greg Monroe wound up being a minus nine in under two full minutes of game seven against the Toronto Raptors, who wound up winning the championship. If you never inserted Monroe in the game, if he wasn't even on the roster, maybe they go back to Boban, or maybe they try Mike Scott for a little more small ball. And That's a good point. And instead, uh, Brett Brown had some really tough choices. He had already pushed it to the limit with Jonah Bolden, clearly wasn't ready for this moment. He had clearly pushed it with Bolbon, and he played Bobon in that series, and Bolbon was getting played off the floor by the Raptors. So he played Monroe, who was good in a prior game. I think he was pretty good in game six when they won. So he was like, all right, I'm going to go back to Monroe, but just for two minutes, and he got absolutely demolished. If they never put him out there, maybe something else happens. Maybe he he just says, you know what? Let's go with Mike Scott in this instance. Let's go with James Ennis and just play small. And maybe that gets him the win and uh, and they wound up keeping Jimmy Butler. Who knows? But I,
1: I will say uh, the only positive about Greg Monroe's time in the Sixers jersey is that one game in that Brooklyn series. I can't recall which one. I think it was game six. But I just remember Greg Monroe being like, Georgetown Greg Monroe. And I was like, okay, this is something that I that we can work with. And then the Toronto series happened. And I was like, okay, we're we're done with this guy. I'm I'm done with Greg Monroe. Never again.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. So we go to the next one.
1: All right. Next one. This is one that I had on my list as well, and I'm glad. I'm so glad this was on the master list here, and that is the trading of Rashawn Holmes for straight cash like that's it no draft picks no future players nothing just cash a million dollars and I'm gonna say if the Sixers had Rashawn Holmes and not Greg Monroe or not Bobon, or not Millsap or whoever the hell else they're trotting out as the backup center the last couple of years uh I think would be in a much much more positive pullings.
2: yeah this one was the brett brown led collaborative so brett who went on the rights to ricky recently and even said like i don't want to be judged for for being the post burner gate head of that ship because that wasn't my my job i'm i'm the coach so (laughs) he just did it but he didn't you know he didn't want to be he should never have been asked to have been he wasn't a gm it was exclusively ownership's reluctance to go out and find a big name GM because they wanted to like, quote unquote, do it themselves. They wanted to find a GM without who didn't want final say. They eventually settled on Elton. So Brett did it, but this was, they were so overmatched and this was a terrible mistake. I believe their calculus at the time was this makes room for Bolden and Amir Johnson. And that was just, both of those were horrendous decisions in hindsight. And
1: I'm like, come on, like, I, you can have Rashawn Holmes or Jonah Bolden and Amir Johnson. No, give me Rashawn Holmes, the guy who I have seen has made improvements the la- like since his rookie year. Yeah, let's go to the next one. I can't, and, I can't handle and and hold, and hold on, I just want to point out that you know what, Rashawn Holmes was actually signed by the Sacramento Kings. The same, uh, the following off season for it was like ten million dollars over two years. You're telling me the Sixers y'all couldn't scrounge up five million a season for at the time? I believe he was like 21 or 22. He was what?
2: playing starter basketball. He was playing good two way ball. He'd still be a good defensive player and lob Jesus threat for James <laughs> off the bench. He Jesus. could have spared you. He could have spared you the Dwight Howard incident anyway could have spared them not signing al horford okay all
1: right never oh. mind let's just <laughs> let's just keep, going. keep going let's just keep going let's just keep let's just keep it moving uh <laughs> number eight here is just just the entirety of the Brian Colangelo 2016 offseason like this is so much here
2: there's uh, a lot here so he selected ben Simmons first overall i, I didn't have a problem with this at the time In i hindsight, didn't either. In hindsight, if you were if you were willing to be results-based, you could have said, look, if you had signed Brandon Ingram, things would have been a lot better off. But whatever, I don't, I don't really knock him for that. I do knock him a little bit more for whiffing on TLC and Korkmaz when Pascal Siakam was on the board. Stop
1: right there. You will not you will not besmirch the the king of my private island, Mr. Furcon Corkmaz. You will not do that. Like you will not, you will, I will not go for corkmaz bashing on this podcast.
2: I'm just I'll just say that Sam Hinkie left him the first pick, the 24th pick and the 26th pick in that draft and he just didn't do a lot with it. He at one point he tried bundling Nerlins, Covington, what became what the TLC pick and the Corkmoss pick were to try to move up to get Chris Dunn. I thought that was a bad decision. Especially a bad fit if you knew you had Ben Simmons. Chris Dunn
1: and Ben Simmons makes zero negative sense.
2: He thought <laughs> it made a lot of sense, so I'm putting this up there. God then damn he, then it. He, Thank God Colangelo's gone. Thank God. Then he signed his boy, good mentor Jared Bayless, to a multi-year contract, which was an instant albatross because a couple of years later he wanted a Max to pursue LeBron and Paul George. Had either of them said, I want to be here, he needs to use an asset to dump Bayless. Right. Who became a bad contract. So, you know, this need that he inherited from his dad to bring in these vet mentors. Remember, they they sent out a couple seconds to bring in Ish Smith. They nixed what Danny Ainge was saying was like a deal using one of those Brooklyn picks for Okafor, which we'll get to. Christ. Um, so, yeah, th- there there's just this terrible need to bring in my guys. We saw it with Bayless. We saw it with Amir Johnson. I didn't like any of that stuff.
1: And I, you're... I, and you're kind of seeing that with Doc now a little bit, like he's bringing in his guys, like DeAndre Jordan and uh, everybody else that's been like straight up off, off the off the Doc train. And now Daryl, fortunately, is like, no, I'm bringing in my guys now. We tried yeah, it your no. way, we tried it your way, your way, your way has stunk. We're doing it my way. I'm getting PJ Tucker. I'm getting Daniel House. Like no, we're doing this.
2: And then. This then may be the worst process decision of all. He traded DC that's that November traded Jeremy Grant to the Thunder. Oh my god, for for an Ursan Ilyasova rental and a first round pick. Now, the pick became Tyrese Maxey. True, in a vacuum, you say, Okay, it it makes some sense, but when you realize that he traded that pick later to move up for Ansas (laughs) Pasechnik. And then you realize that if they had had Jeremy Grant and kept him, it would have prevented the organization from feeling we need to give up two first-round picks and and more for Tobias Harris because Grant would have been the perfect guy to pay $20, $25 million to and slide in at that stretch four. But he actually plays some great defense and he saves you all those picks that you spent on Harris. Or you can go get Harris anyway, but now you can save the picks because you traded Grant, who's a desirable player. Right. Hated the process of that trade. I thought Grant had some upside. I didn't understand why they got rid of him. If you get the pick, that's great. But then for the love of all things holy, don't trade it to move up for Pasechnik. That brings us to the next one. Let's go to number seven.
1: (laughs) So that is Calangelo trading away the pick that became maxi for It's That trade was in 2017, traded a 2020 first round pick, and a 2020 second uh, to Orlando for the aforementioned mentioned and yeah, good, good, good lord, <laughs> yeah, good, good So,
2: this is so preposterous because he trades the pick that becomes Maxi to Orlando for a guy who never plays for the Sixers, who never comes over. Remember all the jokes about, yeah, Dario? this yeah. guy really, really never came over. This guy
1: literally never came over,
2: and and he gave them the pick. That Elton had to go back and retrieve by sending the number one pick in this draft, which was Fultz. He said, all right, remember that pick that we gave you? We need that pick back. You take Fultz. So it was like the complete hamster wheel of futility by BC trading up twice in that draft, once from three to one for Fultz, and then later to get into the first round for Posechnik trading away is just the pick that became Jason Tatum and the pick that became Tyrese Maxi and the pick that became Romeo Langford. You can't make this stuff up. It's so bad. If Colangelo hadn't done Burnergate, he wouldn't have given Elton a chance to go get that Maxi pick back by unloading faults, cutting his losses.
1: Thank God for Twitter. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Thank God
2: for <laughs> Burnergate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, there's just a lot of like silly trades. Trades that make no sense. And, and now we get trades that involve like fake picks, <laughs> uh, the the failing to trade for the failing to trade away Okafer and Noel, quote unquote, on time, and what you say hoarding a clearly depreciating axi- asset. Okay, they got they got nothing in this trade. They got nothing in the Julio Okafer trade. They got nothing in the Nerlens trade. Like you said, it's in it's written here, fake first and Simba. And then Ja was used to get a second used a second to get Trevor Booker. Like
2: so, Jesus Christ. If you think about the, there was the report that Danny Ainge admitted we had a blockbuster lined up with the Sixers in January of 2016. Remember, this is the time you and I did a recent podcast about it. So shameless plug, go back and listen to our Jalilo for draft not podcast. not
1: shameless not shameless at all go back listen give us some more downloads it's not shameless at all we do i we do not care
2: <laughs> it was reported that sam Hankey, who still was not fully the man in charge but still shopping okafor at the time then danny ainge went out and said yes we had a deal lined up for a player we were prepared to offer uh you know a big big package i think it was andrew kaufman maybe for nbc who reported that the player was Okafor. The pick was a Brooklyn pick. We know one of them became Jalen Brown, and the one after that became Colin Sexton traded for Kyrie Irving. So it sounds Win, to me like Jesus. Danny Ainge admittedly was willing to trade massive capital for Okafor, and then Ainge said, but someone on their side backed out. See, so, I
1: wonder who that could
2: have been. The report was that, I think it was Tom Moore said, people who were calling Philadelphia at the time were learning that Hanky was no longer the top voice, and now it was Jerry Colangelo's show, and Jerry would be reluctant to allow them to keep punting assets and kicking the can down the road. It makes sense then that they could have had a big, big offer in January 2016 for Okafor, but when they traded him, there was absolutely nothing there. If you follow the Burnergate stuff, you could see, like, I remember tweeting, still ball account, and it replied to me, <laughs> it was like, it was like we—they did try to trade Okurfer to New Orleans, but the medical came back; it didn't work, and it, because he had a knee issue, and no one knows this. I don't and, hear that. I don't hear that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, that was uh, someone's wife who had access to all that, uh, Jaleel's medical going into the Pelican. but <laughs> they got they got nothing for these guys. Had they traded them right away, they could have gotten so much more, and, and maybe even the pick that became Jalen Brown. So. And and then the Nerlens trade,
1: which was it was Nerlens Dallas. We got Justin Anderson, Andrew Bogut, whatever was left on his body. The ultimate uh, fake first. The ultimate fake first. The second round draft pick that became Juwan Evans, and I'm pretty sure he was traded later. I can't remember. And then a 2022, which was Nico Mannion, and like that. It's nothing. There's nothing of value there. <laughs> nothing. Not
2: a damn thing. We like, got nothing for these like the top, uh, top six pick and the top three pick.
1: You got nothing for a player in Jaleel Okafor that had massive offensive potential. And then you had somebody in Nerlens Noel who had massive defensive potential in the front court. But like you
2: could get something more for what they got. Danny Ainge, he offered four picks to move up for Justice Winslow and got rejected by Michael Jordan he pivots and he comes and he wants Jaleel Okafor for like a massive bundle and someone on the Sixers side backs out. Come on. Someone needs, someone
1: needs to be kicked square in the ass for that. Like retroactively. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: It, and it's not even a big story in Sixers land. Most people just say jaw was a bust. Hinky shouldn't have picked him. but I'm looking back and I'm like, can you imagine being the guy who nixed the Jaleel Okafor to Boston trade? Anyway, let's move to the next one.
1: Before we move to the next one, I say I say we take a breather and go back to the our, our original universe, charge the batteries a little bit. Let's take a quick breather, take a break, satisfy the sponsors because they, they do so much for us on the uh, Vox Media Network where you can find all of your fantastic Liberty Ballers podcast. It is the Liberty Ballers out-of-sight summer engagement series, the Sixers multiverse podcast, and This is, I guess we should just call this what if the collaborative efforts of D6's front office hadn't been completely brainless, I guess? I don't know. Could that be the title
0: here? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. All right, we're back, and we
1: are spanning more more multiple universes here on this podcast. Like I said, from the top, we had to take a week off for family business, but we're coming back strong, and we're giving everybody what they want. We're giving everybody what they love. Incredible, incredible depression when it comes to talking about the past of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, um, we left off with... Uh, crappy Jaleel trade, uh crappy Jalil trades and fake first for Nerlens trades. Now we get to the one off-season that really kind of hurts me the most, and that's the 2019 off-season. This is the Al Horford off-season, this is the we didn't keep Jimmy off-season. Where do yeah. we even start here? Like I I to I want to start with Horford because this is my contention if the reason was to sign Horford, if the reason was to keep him away from the Boston Celtics, that is an idiotic decision on a level that I can't describe. If you thought that he could be somewhat of a mentor, number one, silly idea. Number two, I, it's, it's, it's Joel Embiid. Like, there's not much that Al Horford is going to teach Joel Embiid at this point because Embiid already does everything that Horford does anyway.
2: Yeah, I broke this up uh, because this was now Jimmy's gone. Now, what do you do with your influx of cash? Because I wanted to save Jimmy for a little bit higher up the totem pole. We're still at number five out of ten here, but now you have. Let's assume you you tried to get Jimmy and he said no anyway, which we know is not the case. Um, but. Right, then, then what do you do? And yeah, I think whatever reason led you to Horford probably wasn't a good reason for this price. That at the time, Zach Lowe and Woj were saying like Danny Ainge had a price in mind that he wanted to offer Al, and he knew there was a a mystery team out there that blew that offer out of the water. So he had his walkaway point. Sixers apparently didn't know that walkaway point. Maybe they didn't know what the Celtics knew that. Al dealt with patellofemoral syndrome that entire season. Right. I don't know why the Sixers didn't heed those warnings. I knew it. I talked about it. That's why I wrote a piece saying don't go offer him a huge contract because guys who deal with knee injuries the entire prior season and are over 32, 33 years old are not headed up at that size with that much mileage. So thought it was terrible. There were guys like Malcolm Brogdon out there. Danny Green was still out there. There's a lot of ways they could have gone if they didn't want to keep Harris who they maxed. I think they were bidding against themselves a little bit there. I don't know what offer he would have commanded on the open market. I think it seems like Utah and Dallas are interested. In maybe the Nets or the Knicks. Um maybe the Clippers to get him. Maybe. Back. The optics wouldn't have been good if he went back to the Clippers. You spent so much for a rental. But could you have gotten him for $21 million instead of like, you know, $35? I'd be hard pressed to believe they couldn't have gotten a better deal than the 180 million for five um, with a guaranteed fifth year that they, they got, if you wanted to let them walk, there was the base year salary where you're, you're really only opening up like 16, 17, 18, $19 million to offer someone else. it does make sense to try to keep them. But after Jimmy walks, the whole thing was in shambles. They also signed Mike Scott, Kylo Quinn, Ennis, how, Hel Neto, and they max Ben Simmons. So like, It was just a tragedy of the summer by a front office who was completely overmatched and confused.
1: I, I will say this about the Tobias Harris signing, and this is what I'll say about it. I think that if Harris was signed and they used the Al Horford money to kind of fill out the bench a little bit, it probably would not have stung as much. But spending all that money on Harris and Horford together, that makes it a mistake.
2: What if you went out and got 15 million for Danny Green and then a guy like, I don't know, could you have gotten a guy like Beverly, maybe Seth Curry, Seth Curry Curry and Danny Green instead of Horford, something like that.
1: Like I, I would be all for that because there's there would be more shooting on the 2019 2020 team, which was a glaring weakness on that team that we've been saying for years and years and years. Uh, Raul Neto was a net negative. James Ennis was a negative. Kylo Quinn. I mean, Sixers probably should have signed him like one or two years prior to that season. I just remember me being not so much in the tank for Al Horford, but being very in the tank for Malcolm Brogdon. If they could have gotten him away from, um, I think it was Milwaukee at the time, I was very in on bringing Malcolm Brogdon in. He was somebody that. Wasn't necessarily, quote-unquote, a point guard, but somebody that could play better alongside Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and bring in Tobias Harris. If you used the Al Horford money to bring in Malcolm Brogdon, I would have been totally fine with that.
2: Yeah, and they might not have been as willing to play ball with the Sixers who were a rival as they were the Pacers. You know, they kind of worked out like a friendly, you give us a pick, we won't match this offer. The Sixers, it might have been a much more hostile thing. It's possible, so maybe Brogdon wouldn't have been just a guy they could have paid for and gotten. Um, but on the other hand, if they were willing to pay enough, like Al Horford money, maybe maybe the Bucks just uh, say, "All right, fine, we lose." I don't know. It you you hard not to see it through Daryl Morey's eyes because on the one hand, if they were able to keep Jimmy, Daryl Morey's never here. I'm guessing because probably Elton not. Looks like, Elton looks like a hero, but the way it played out, he inherits a team who owes so much money, I mean, just exorbitant sums to Al Horford and Tobias Harris, he has to use this 2025 pick to dump Horford and bring in Danny Green, and now that hamstrings him a lot when he's trying to wheel and deal for other players. Like right, James Harden down the road, now that he's acquired James Harden, he really can't use any of his picks anymore. I think he'd have to amend the ones on the one he gave to the Nets in order to trade his 2029. So, you know, really, really not a lot to work with. And it all started with that Horford contract.
1: And not that I, not that I'm advocating for this, but like, if Durant really wanted to come to Philly, like, I, I don't know what the hell the Sixers could offer anymore. Like they don't really have, like they can make the contract work, but they don't have, they don't have the the draft capital anymore.
2: No, they couldn't. And if, if, in some world, there was like, you're looking at the teams like Toronto, say, assuming they didn't want to offer Scotty Barnes, but they're offering like OG and Gary Trent Jr. and three picks. You can't even compete with an offer like that, which isn't even a, a blockbuster for a player of Durant's caliber. Right. So, you, you know, you, all, the best you can do is Tobias Harris, a net negative asset, and Tyrese Maxey, a tremendously positive asset. But for the Nets, they might say, oh, well, not if we have to take Tobias, no thanks. <laughs> and so you're out of the water for this. Um, just, just a disastrous, disastrous offseason 2019. And it stinks because they looked at it like we can do this on our own. We can do this collaboratively. This is what we do in business. This is what we could do together. We make decisions. We have this great team. It's an all-star team of minds. It was <laughs> the exact opposite of all that. Let's move as, on to the next one.
1: As, as debilitating as that offseason was, I, I got to say, the 2018 offseason wasn't that much better, and specifically the draft, where the Sixers selected Macau Bridges with the 10th pick, Lance Shamit with the 26th pick, Kyrie Thomas with the 38th pick, Isaac Bonga, Ray Spaulding, a Anacompo, and yet they traded Bridges to the Suns for Zaire Smith and a 2021 first-round pick that became Trey Mann. I'm sorry, but looking back, uh, what if the Sixers just kept Michael McHale Bridges? Which is what I I wanted them to do anyway. It's like, I cheered. Me being a huge Villanova stand, I was like, wait, we're going to draft McHale Bridges? Oh, hell yeah, let's go. Robert Covington 2.0, let's do this.
2: Yeah, I I was really... Behind what they did, like, I really wanted Bridges emotionally. Bridges was one of the top players on my board right there, and I knew he was the perfect fit. When I heard what they did, I actually liked it. Uh, I was I was apparently wrong at the time because it's absolutely devastating that they don't just have Bridges. He would be so perfect. He would have been so perfect. They, they might have a championship ring if they just kept him, uh, and that's how painful this one is. Uh, Zaire was an unfortunate thing that didn't work out. I, I, this one hurt. Zaire just turned into
1: like, I, I hate to use the word bust when it comes to a player, but like, that's basically what it was. It wasn't, it It just did not work out. And it really kind of, it really sucked when you think, when you look at what Bridges is doing in Phoenix, and it's just like, damn it. Really wish we could have had that. Like, that would have been so good. The defensive length between Bridges, Simmons, and Embiid. Imagine if we had bridges to throw at trey young in that atlanta series
2: you did it to get that miami 2021 pick sure the the thinking there at the time was this might be the year they make high school players eligible the nba actually said well because you had that line of thinking we're gonna not make it this year right (laughs) to screw you and so because the the nba hates the process yeah they, they hate the process and so that player ended up being like you know, a middling pick. I believe Trey Mann was eventually selected, um, or was it Sadiq Bay? It's one of those. Two uh, if Trey Mann was, was Tra- this one. Yeah, I think it was Trey Mann. So that's who they. That was the player or that type of player they could have had uh, on the board there. There were also players like Bones Highland, Cam Thomas, so that they might have. Oh, Cam if, if Thomas. They, but they ended up using that pick on Tobias Harris, which brings us to number three on the list. So,
1: February 6, 2019, Sixers traded Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, Landry Shamit, 2020 first-round pick, which became Sadiq Bey, which, goddammit, would have loved to have that guy too. Uh, 2021 first-round pick, that was Trey Mann. 2021 second, 2023 second. All for Tobias, Boban, and Mike Scott. Um, Oh, god. Okay, so at the time I was I was in on that trade because it was like, okay, we got Embiid, we got Simmons, we got Tobias Harris, we got Jimmy Butler. Like, let's let's roll. Let's just go and let's just go for this chip right now. Cause that was a hey, we want, we're going for the champion, we're going for the finals. That's what that trade signified to me. I, I, th- I
2: liked I liked it at the time too.
1: I, I think the re signing of Tobias along with Horford over Jimmy Butler, maybe not the best choice, but the trade at the time I was okay with, but it just led to all of these things down the line where like, again, could have had Sadiq Bay that could have taken the sting out of losing Tobias, I guess if the Sixers were really in on Jimmy Butler, like they probably should have been. So then you're looking at Embiid, Simmons, Sadiq Bay, and, Jimmy Butler, like Sadiq Bay's learning from Jimmy Butler, like that's something, like that's that's interesting. I actually like that idea. Boban, yeah. Boban was fun, I guess, and then Mike Scott became like a cult legend, you know? So th- those
2: things were fun, but outside of that, not, not a whole lot came out of that trade. You look back on it and you think how easily they might have been able to get to just, for one, keep Mike Muscala, who might have been enough To replace Greg Monroe and get him to win in 2019 versus the Raptors, They might have been able to wrangle Patrick Beverly somehow. Um, So there was just a lot of, oh, they might have been able to find a way to use Moscow the way the Clippers wound up doing to get Zubach. So there were plenty of ways where if you were on the phone and I was on the phone, we might have prioritized other things. Correct. They wanted Mike Scott, who Elton Brand had a history with from the 60 win Atlanta team. Clearly, they wanted Bobon, who I think he was a spur. Maybe, maybe that's how Brett Brown was familiar with his work. Is that, is that possible? It's possible. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think they had these, these little histories or, or reasons for liking some certain players that don't add up to us. Little known, talked about things they could have got. They traded their own 2020 pick. You mentioned Sadiq Bay. It was Brooklyn who wound up taking him and sending him to, to – Detroit, but the Sixers could have had two back-to-back picks in that draft. They wound up with Maxi at 21, but what if they loved, say, like Desmond Bain and they kept that pick? Oh. So they could have had those two players with that pick. The Sixers could have had the 18th pick in 2021. They wound up selecting Jaden Springer 28th, but as I mentioned, like there were some other nice players like Trey Mann, Bones Island, Cam Thomas available there too. So those picks wound up being pretty valuable, the ones they shipped out for Tobias Harris in a walk year maybe they could have just maxed him anyway you know letting him come that summer so it just really hurt uh there was a little blurb by your own weitzman in his book talking about how after the game brett brown was pulled into a room in the wells fargo center elton brand josh harris his partner david blitzer ceo scott o'neill and alex rucker were already seated and that was the brain trust that unanimously decided to execute that deal for Tobias Harris. Oh, so God. it gives you, it gives you a little peek into how they made decisions at that time and like sort of a case study and in, in how not to make decisions moving forward. Cause they were so much better with one of Sam Hinkie or later Daryl Morey in charge than this, uh, than this group.
1: Now, now we get, now we get to the top too. Now, now we get to the, the, the universes that are going to be the most painful to travel to. and, We're going to start with the 2017 draft, Ah, which which we have covered singularly on this in this uh, engagement series. That's the 2017 Colangelo draft. This is the Markel Fultz draft. Traded a first round pick. A 2019 first round pick. All for the right to draft Markel Fultz, number one.
2: To move up two spots. So the the pick that became Jason Tatum, they traded away to the Celtics. If you look at that trade in a vacuum, maybe the trade was fine if they only just took Jason Tatum. We would never, ever have said they paid too much to move up two spots if they picked Tatum, which they could have done. Uh, And at the time, I can't kill them for preferring Fultz. So maybe you could kill them for trading all that and taking faults and not understanding that there was not actually a tier gap between faults and guys like Lonzo ball or Jason Tatum. And just feeling like our guy will be there at number three. Let's see who falls. Maybe that would have been Tatum. Maybe that would have been faults. Maybe that would have been Lonzo ball. Maybe that would have been Josh Jackson. Maybe you consider moving back and trading with the Kings and all the other things that we talked about when we revisited this draft. Right. But the way it played out was absolute mayhem for the Sixers. How could this team wind up with two two number one overall picks in consecutive drafts who don't like to shoot, who went to small colleges? And And neither of them play for the team anymore. Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz in back-to-back seasons are point guards who couldn't shoot. It's just like you literally couldn't, ma- couldn't make this up. We're we're the only fan
1: base that could make this up, and it's ugh.
2: and they kind of like both got the yips. I'm like watching Ben Simmons shoot jumpers in summer league. I'm watching Markel Fultz pull contested has he pull up triple Jimbos on Jason Tatum in summer league and Donovan Mitchell in summer league, and I'm like, man, these guys could really shoot it.
1: Uh, Markel Markel Fultz Markel Fultz is the reason why my Twitter handle is what it is right now.
2: Yeah, and it's unfortunate.
1: And it's unfortunate, and I probably will never change the name anymore because (laughs) it's great. It's just perfect for me. It it harkens back to a time that I wish I wish was actually a thing in Sixers uh, lore. And it's unfortunate. It sucks. It really does, because I really wanted Mark Hill to be who he was supposed to be. This, like, James Harden-like, multi-level scoring guard. Like I thought that's what it was.
2: A-plus teammate. Unbelievable. Great character, really likable kid, and just such an unfortunate thing that happened to his shoulder and his confidence.
1: Last and unfortunately least, it's the, the, the collaborative efforts by Elton Brand and company to fail to offer Jimmy Butler a max contract, which led to a four-team trade where the Sixers got Josh Richardson and, God, what, el- what else did we get in that trade? Uh, I, I think just, we got... Just
2: Josh, I think. Oh, we
1: didn't even get draft picks. Oh, that, that just makes it sting even worse.
2: Yeah, nothing. People were talking at the time, like, okay, maybe they can get Richardson and Winslow. Maybe they can get, you know, like maybe they could get Eric Gordon and Compella somehow from the Rockets. If he went there, all they got was Josh Richardson, who, for some reason, Sixers fans loved at the time. There was not, there wasn't a ton of love.
1: We couldn't even get Hassan Whiteside back in this deal. That's how ridiculous it was to me.
2: It was just so bad. I I know that some Sixers fans, maybe a lot, would quibble and put something like Fultz or Tobias ahead. I put Butler here first because I really think whatever Butler chose to do, the decision to not offer him the max just kills me. It's from a process decision-making standpoint. How could you not offer him the max? I don't care if it would have offended Ben Simmons. I don't care if it would have made the decision to sign more difficult for Ben Simmons. You had to do this. He was obviously an all NBA talent and you had him just do what it takes. If he wanted a new coach, fine. Give him the five-year max deal. All of the reporting at the time from Shams to Woj to Ramona to Rachel Nichols was that he was looking for a five-year deal. He wanted to feel wanted. He wasn't getting that deal from the Bulls. They didn't want to give him a supermax. He finally wanted to feel wanted. He got it and, he, and it didn't happen. Uh, so. They didn't offer him a max. I think that they went, had a little bit of a back and forth. I think they were basically trying to go through his camp to see would you sacrifice? Would you change? I know you had an on ball role. Would you relinquish half of that to Ben Simmons? And that contrasted pretty sharply with the red carpet Miami was rolling out. Like, we right. will make you the absolute franchise. This is your franchise. You are the point guard, you are the small forward, whatever you want. And now the Sixers are coming like, Well, can you control Jimmy? Remember he said that on JJ's podcast. Yeah. Well, don't worry. You don't have to control me. I'm out of here. I'll take 50 million less dollars to go to a team that really wants me. You guys are like a barn. And so that's what I think makes this number one to me. They couldn't have just rolled out that red carpet. Daryl Moore didn't have a dollar of cap space. And he rolled out such a red carpet that you and I were sitting crunching the numbers, figuring out if we could get Eric Gordon in a sign trade, if he went to the Rockets he offered four picks to the Minnesota Timberwolves when Butler was for sale there. So more, did everything to get this guy. He didn't care how the fit was with Chris Paul and James Harden. He knew that if he got that level of talent, he'd be well off. The Sixers didn't seem to know that they thought like, all right, well, Horford not being on the guard and bead helps. He can play with him or off him at the same time. All those 20 games, we're going to load manage Joe. He can slot in there. That also gives us, the ability to put the ball in Ben Simmons' hand and makes his contract better, blah, blah, blah. I would have thrown all the money at Jimmy. I would have let the chips fall where they may. I don't think Ben Simmons is the type of player to turn down $180 million and then play out a season for like $8 million. I know he likes his cars. I think Mm -hmm. he's taking the money. And if it didn't work out a year down the road, two years down the road, you can trade one of them. Trade Ben. Trade Ben for James Harden and have Jimmy Butler too.
1: (laughs) This is why it's number one for me. And it boils down to this. If Jimmy's on this team at that time, what if they made the decision to max out Jimmy and have him on the roster, Sixers have at least one championship
2: by now. Yeah, I mean, he took a team that wasn't as talented to the finals in 2020, and he, and he took them one three-pointer away again this year. Right. So, so, man, yeah.
1: That's why this is number one for me, because Jimmy on this team – Starting in July 2019, the Sixers have at least one championship. At least
2: one. Jimmy and Joel was so unstoppable. The Raptors couldn't contain it. Uh, it, you know,
1: took, it took the Raptors seven games and 5,000 bounces to get this team off their, off their necks.
2: If we rank like the last 15 champions, we have that Raptors team pretty high because they were stacked. They were versatile. Everybody could defend two ways. It was a really good team, and they had their hands full from the Sixers who didn't even have a front office who knew how to field a reasonable bench. Like, we're, we're out here playing Mike Scott and, and James Innes and Greg Monroe, important minutes. Can you imagine if they had just run it back with that team, but, like, a real experienced front office could have just fleshed out the bench a little bit?
1: Yeah, imagine if Daryl was the general manager of this team and he was negotiating the butler Tobias Harris stuff.
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he would have rolled the red carpet out for Jimmy. He would have made him feel wanted. He would have found a new coach if that's what it took. If that's what it took. Yeah, he would have found a way to convince Ben Simmons to just take the money and let the chips fall. And we'll see how it goes with the new coach and just kick that can down the road once they're all signed under contract, because he would have known his two best players were Jimmy and Joel, and that's half the battle.
1: All right. Wh- what do you say? Do do we get back? Do we get back to our own reality here? Are we are are we done for 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 the week? I I think I think I'm spent. Like a lot. I I got The the batteries of our multiverse traveling vehicle they're starting to get low. So I feel like we need to get back to our
2: own reality here. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> I'm just I, now you got me going, and I'm like. Even if Ben Simmons was so offended that you maxed Jimmy that he said, Screw it, I'm playing for my qualifying offer and I'm gonna leave. He's still going. He's... You, you, you could have traded him, you could have traded him in on like a one year deal and you would have gotten a mega haul for that that player.
1: Uh, well, plenty, plenty more horror stories to come. Maybe one of these days we'll have like a good uh. No, no, we're not. Let me say this. That's not not how it works on this podcast. Sam
2: Sam Hankey and Darren Warrior are so good that this team has the eighth best title odds after four and a half years of mayhem. Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. That's how good Joel is. That's how good Harden is. That's how good the maxi pick was.
1: At, At least we now have, you know, one voice. We have one cook as opposed to like five or six. Like there's one guy that's like, no. I want this guy. I want this coach. I want these picks. That's what I'm doing. Whew. Thank God for that. <laughs> Whew. In the meantime, the offseason continues. The special engagement series continues. We have a couple more universes to travel to. We'll get to all of them, of uh, the ones that are scheduled anyway. And, um, yeah, it's it's been fun. We're going to keep doing it until training camp starts. Training camp is right around the corner. Thankfully, I guess we'll have some fun stuff going on. Check the site. Updated news every day. Got stuff on the Durant news that came out today. Got all kinds of podcasts coming out with different hot takes and different ideas and things going on in Sixers land. But for now, we are back in our own realities here. And we are going to en- enjoy en- enjoy being a part of the Daryl Mortar reality because it's it's just so much it's so much better than what we've been doing the last couple of years.
2: I need I need like it's hot here. I need like a Sunday after that pot, maybe an ice cream Sunday.
1: true. Uh, I- I'm definitely going to go down and get some water ice. At this point, that is definitely <laughs> happening. A nice, nice. Uh, a nice gelato or something. In the meantime, Dave Early deal Royster, out of sight podcast chill ride chill vibes we're gonna get out of here until next week when we span yet more more universes in sixers lore take it easy you guys stay cool it's supposed to be hot pretty much the rest of the week until cold front hopefully moves in later on this week but stay safe stay cool stay hydrated all that good stuff and we'll talk to you next week